All right, here we go. The regular season is upon us. This week, it counts. Welcome to Between the Horns, presented by your Southern California Toyota dealers. I'm JB, along with my friends and radio broadcast partners, Maurice Jones-Drew and DeMarco Farr. I get to kick it off by saying, happy anniversary, you guys. Anniversary. Seven years together, the three oh, of us. DeMarco goes way back to the Has 90s. Has it been seven years? It's been a long time. Oh, my God. We got a ring. season eight. <laughs> hey, listen. We, we got a ring. ring. I, you know what? It doesn't feel that long because yeah. someone put a ring on it. I can't believe DeMarco forgot. What? How does that go over at home when what you forget, forget anniversaries? Anniversary? You should know better. Come on, man. This is just game number what? A thousand? Let's get going. Right, Come on. We don't count years. Game. Yeah. Guess we know who's buying Saturday night in Seattle. <laughs> But it's great to be kicking off a new season in the Pacific Northwest, where last year closed on a disappointing and uncertain note. We'll talk about the series with Seattle and how the Rams, even with backups across the two deep, nearly beat the Seahawks twice last year. But the memory I'm speaking of, first and foremost, DeMarco, is the uncertainty, whether it's the head coach, the quarterback, the best defensive player to ever walk the planet. Would they be back together? We didn't know when we left Seattle last. Yeah, it was uh, kind of a depressing trip. When did we hear about the whole Sean McVay may leave, go to TV? Was that on the bus or on the way up or while we were there? I it was on the way up. Yeah. Definitely he, when the Sunday morning reports hit the airwaves. Yeah, going through that stadium, seeing people I know saying, your coach is gone, your coach is gone. We, we just heard the news. It, it was a shock. So uh, the most distracted I'd ever been before a game ever. Right. Yeah. And then the Rams went out there and just gave them all they had and and almost won the football game, almost knocked Seattle out of the playoffs. I thought that was awesome. So, yeah, uh, a lot of uncertainty. I'm glad right now we're going back up there with your stars intact and your head coach intact. Yeah, I always think when when you start to feel cracks in your foundation and the fractures, everyone's going to kind of come in and try to pick apart your team. And I think that's what it was for the Rams. There was a lot going on. Matthew Saver was banged up. Aaron Donald was out. Cooper Cup was out. All these things were going on. You bring in Baker Mayfield. You're trying to figure things out. And so everybody, TV companies were coming and trying to pull Sean away. It was just all this stuff going on. And they were able to kind of uh, get their, their focus lasered in on what they had to do. And they played well. And I think, you know, a lot of times when I've played on some bad teams before, that last game springboards you into the next season. Mm -hmm. And I thought the way they played with the players that they had really got a lot of guys amped up to come back and work hard this offseason and get ready to roll. And I'm excited to go up there in Seattle because there's a lot of hope and promise up there for them. I remember how we lived that last game, too. Like, you were in the booth mm -hmm. wondering, like, is this the last time we see this group together? I got the binoculars on watching Pete Carroll and Sean McVay get together thinking if this is their last pregame handshake – I want to remember it, but it didn't dawn on me until just now hearing you guys talk. What the Rams are trying to do in 23 is not too dissimilar to what the Seahawks, I think, have already done, which is retool, reinvent themselves without having to rebuild. Yes. They've done it successfully. They were a playoff team last year. I think they're even better poised this year. The Rams have been avoiding that R word all offseason. Now we get to see if they're capable of doing it too. I think I've figured out the NFL logic and, and language now. Uh, it's only a rebuild when you're starting over at quarterback. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's or coding. Or, 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 or coach yeah. or GM. So you're bringing back most of your same guys, plus you have the quarterback. So you're getting younger, so to speak, and you're sprinkling in some some superstars, some great players. But for the most part, I, I'm still carrying around a roster with names and faces on this football team because there's so many new people. But like you said, as if you have that guy at quarterback and you have special players still, you still have a shot to win in the National Football League. We will get to the state of the Seahawks. We'll have our keys to a week one victory. But let's start with Sean McVay and his thoughts on where the Rams are going into week one, which is to say without Cooper Cup. Unfortunate, 
but in his words, at least something that they've been practicing for. I love Cooper Cup. You guys know how instrumental and vital he's been to a lot of great things that have occurred, but we've had a lot of work with the group that's going to play the whole, for the last handful of months. You know, th This is the group that we've been working with. Unfortunately or fortunately, however you want to look at it, he really hasn't had a chance to get any off-season work. It's been very limited in training camp, and so... For that, I'm very excited about the opportunity to compete. And I have, you know, a lot of belief in these guys and the improvement that I've seen and the way that they just commit to a process every single day. And um, I'm really looking forward to just being able to go shoot our shot and see what the hell happens, Gary. And so I think there are two elements to that point. One, in terms of the personnel in that receiver room, the Rams have grown a lot. I think they're better equipped to sustain in the short term without their triple crown Super Bowl MVP winner. But also the difference is this summer, Matthew Stafford has been throwing actual real live footballs and reps to the five eligibles he'll have with them on Sunday. I've had a lot of fun watching Matthew Stafford in training camp. I, I know you guys have too. It's been fun watching him grow with Tutu Atwell. Uh, when they do have success, watching Matthew Stafford sprint down the field just so he can give him a high five. So that's been special. But uh, Van Jefferson, I, you would assume, would be the number one guy in the offense when Cup is going down. But I was going to ask you guys the same question. When it's third and got to have it, who you jamming the ball into right now? Well, I, I, to me, it's, it's two things. One, I'm very excited to see Matthew Stafford because I've seen him overthrow some guys in OTAs and training camp, which is like, oh, wow. Like, that arm is live and well. It's, it's ready to go. But then, two, it's the offensive line. You talk about on those mm -hmm. third and got to have it. Now it's not like, I'm not going to just, I know Cooper Cup's going to get open on his route. I can trust it. Now it's like, I have to go through the process. I have to go through the reads. I got to make sure that I'm getting to the open guy. And with that comes with protection. And the, and, the, and the Rams really invested and put a lot of resources into this offensive line and figured out how they want to make it go. Some guys came from last year. Some guys are rookies. Other guys are guys that have been here for time. But they're figuring out how to way to make this line a little bit more stout in the middle, in the interior, so that you're not getting so much push, which I think is important because Matthew Stafford is a step-up guy. He's not going to be like uh, Jalen Hurts or Mahomes that like to scramble out of the pocket. He likes to step up, right? And so to me, if you could allow him to step up and make those throws – the Rams will be much more difficult to stop. And then when you get Cooper Cup back, kind of similar to last year, you're going to get all these valuable reps going while he's gone and the guys that have gotten all this stuff in the offseason. When they come back, it's going to be like, okay, now we have our guy back. We're better, mm. and we have our guy back. And so, to me, going into this game is going to be, you know, again, the guys that Stafford's thrown the ball to, but it's more important the offensive line, can you hold up and make sure you can get to those third, second, third, and fourth reads. No one in Seattle is disappointed to not see no. number 10 in Royal and Soul playing this weekend. But is there a school of thought where the Rams are actually a more complex prep? Might be giving Seattle some more sleepless nights without Cup because his target share was so outrageous last year that Matthew Stafford has now been practicing with Tutu Atwell. Uh, with Van Jefferson, with Puka Nakua, who's been on the Crash mm -hmm. Course program since he was drafted. Demarcus Robinson is a proven pro who's done it for multiple franchises. And unlike in years past, there's there's a built-out tight end room coming your way to Seattle this time now. Like The Rams are going to dress three tight ends who I think can all be factors this year. Bryson Hopkins, it's time, right? Yeah. Uh, you see him in the hallways, in the elevator. The guy looks terrific. He's fantastic. If you want to build a tight end, you build him to look like that. But it's it's time to start contributing. More than just a spell for, for Tyler Higby. I love it. I want to see both of these guys on the field at the same time making plays. There's nothing worse on a, for a defense than 12 personnel when you don't know where to call the strength to. Which guy can catch passes? Which one's the blocker? What if they're both? What if they're both multiple? You don't know what to call or how to call it. So, yeah, it's time for Bryson Hopkins to take a giant step forward. 
continuity at head coach and play caller, but the offensive line coach is different. The tight ends coach is different. The running backs coach is different. The offensive coordinator is different. So while this is a very familiar rivalry and the Seahawks know what's coming in some regards, I think without Cooper Cup in, in the lineup, it could look a lot different. We don't know what it's going to look like. Well, it should look a lot different, right? Again, you understand where you've had success, but as you had turnover, you have to kind of adapt to the different things, the different schemes that coaches bring in. Mm -hmm. I know Coach Gould, uh, the running back coach, because he recruited me out of high school to the University of Cal. No disrespect, I wasn't going to Berkeley. Right, I had to go down here to L.A. But this is the thing. He has a different type of running scheme. He likes yeah. downhill runs. He likes to get down and get their running backs shoulder square to the line of scrimmage. Jake Peets. I've known Jake Peets a long time. He came from Carolina with Christian McCaffrey. He has a different scheme. So all these things and ideas are going to come in, and what works, works. And so if you're the Seattle Seahawks, you're like, okay, they're the, yes, we know that they like to run the outside zone. Yes, we know they like these routes, but they don't have Cooper Cup there. So who's going to run that route for Cooper Cup? And then – you have all these different other coaches with different opinions that may come into play and, and help out. So I think it's going to be tough. And then the other thing is this. When you're when you're in a meeting and you're going to game plan for a team, you're saying these are the supers like Madden. This guy's a superstar. This guy's mm. this. This guy's that. Well, Cooper Cup is out. So now you have to figure out, are you going to are you going to shadow Cooper? Who are you going to shadow? Are you going to just play sides? Are you just going to play regular coverage? Are you going to blitz? In this situation, who's going to cover Tutu Atwell if he runs shallow or deep? All these different things come into play, and it makes you, like you said, stay up late because there's it's not there's the unknown, and I think the unknown or or limbo is what we like to call it is tough for any coach. What was the downfall of last year's Seahawks on defense in particular? Couldn't, Couldn't stop, stop the run. run. Oh yeah. So with Cam Akers ripping off 100 yards apiece on anybody behind an offensive line that was mostly cobbled together from practice squads around the country. I think that's the leading question going into this matchup is right. Cam Akers is poised to have his best year yet. He's as good as he's looked. The offensive line says they're nasty and physical and they've got something for you. Has Seattle done anything enough to address that Achilles heel other than getting Bobby Wagner to switch sides? Again? I hope you can attack that and make and attack that weakness. You know, if I'm Cam Akers, like we said this before, the bag is 1,500 yards away. All you <laughs> got to do is get to it. And every step counts. Absolutely. So, uh, look, uh, I, I would say pull out your best Matt Forte tape and say be like this guy. Attack him. Attack Bobby, uh, Bobby Wagner in the run game. Attack him in the passing game. Go after him. Every single catch, every single touch is going to be so important. So without Cooper Cup, and I would rather have Cooper Cup in the offense. No Don't question. get me wrong. No but outside of that, then I'm loading the box, taking away the run, and making someone else step up to beat me. So who are those others? We're going to find out soon. Well, again, you know, I it's, it's so funny. People say you have an infatuation with, like, big men. I do. If you want to run the football, you got to move guys off the ball. Mm -hmm. You got to move the line of scrimmage at least a yard or two the opposite way so you can create scenes for Cam Akers to go and make plays. And Cam has run hard in spurts. We need it to be a consistent play. But again, I love what the Rams have done this offseason. I've loved the fact that they've been committed to the running game. They've played some starters in the preseason. They've gotten, they've been more committed to running the football in the preseason. You're seeing guys go. And to me, that's, that is. When you become a balanced offense, you talked about being one dimensional. Mm -hmm. When you become a balanced offense, and it doesn't have to be 50 50, it can be 60 40 pass or run. But when you're efficient running the ball, everything opens up play action pass, uh, quarterback boots, uh, regular drop back because they have to load the box and they have to play simple coverage on the back end. So they can't play these, these, these exotic covers. They only can play cover three, which is a single high zone 
or cover one, which is a single high man. And guess what? You have a quarterback that's seen it all anyways. Right. Right. So he knows when you're blitzing and what you're in and different things. You can't disguise coverage when you get it. You can't stop the run. And so if you can run the football this week, it's going to open up a lot of things for Matthew Stafford in this passing game. Let me rip through a couple other Rams news and notes, and I'll get you back to the offensive mm-hmm. line for your perspective on that at the end. Hunter Long, one of the four tight ends roster for the Rams, won't play Sunday dealing with a leg injury. So that's why I mentioned they'll dress three or go Soft with three. Hands. Uh, Stetson Bennett won't be dressed as the backup quarterback either. He's got a throwing shoulder injury. Brett Rippon figures to be the backup for the Rams. And we still don't have official word on the starting offensive line configuration, although we could probably take an educated guess. That's neither here nor there, though, DeMarco. They're coming with a group of eight that I feel like they believe in, and that has been promising us something different, a bounce-back campaign in 23. We heard that the, the, there was emphasis on bringing the nasty back to the mm-hmm. offensive line. And look, look, you worry about all five of them, but the one I worry about the most is actually the rookie, Steve Avila, because you have to treat him like Forrest Gump. Stop at the whistle. You don't, He's going to be jacked up. That he's crowd, gonna he's going to be amped up. Yes. Absolutely. But, I mean, look, that physical presence is going to be there. So whichever five of the eight is going to start, uh, it's going to be a little bit different than we've seen from a Rams offensive line, especially running the football. So, like we said, emphasis on nasty. I think if the starting five we think is going to start, I think the nasty will be there with that group. After six, seven months of hearing about how different the Rams are going to be, how young, how much roster turnover they've had, when the numbers come out over the cap had this, like right there with the Colts and the Rams, Seattle changing over 40% of their roster too, largely in some good ways because they're still, you know, making the most of the haul they got back from Denver in the Russell Wilson trade. So they get cornerback Devin Witherspoon with a fifth overall pick. We'll see if he goes. He's got a hamstring of his own uh, with a top 20 pick, Jackson Smith and Jigba, the top receiver in the class. And then some second rounders and edge Derek Hall and a running back out of UCLA, Maurice uh, Zach Charbonnet. But the biggest thing they did this offseason is commit to Geno Smith to believe that that wasn't just a one-year blip, that he's worth three more years. Yeah, listen, you you know, we all see things differently, right? I don't I don't know. <laughs> I'm not at practice. I don't see those things. Yeah. I want Geno to be that guy. I want him to be better. But it was a tell of two halves last year. In the first half, he was on fire, lighting it up. Second half, kind of went back to being Geno Smith that we knew. And so can he keep that fire going? And if you believe he can, which Pete Carroll and the Seahawks do, you're going to pay him. You're going to put more resources around him. Right. Yeah. But let's remember what Seattle is and who they are. They are a run first football team. They're going to run the ball and play and play with the Legion Boom 2.0. They want mm-hmm. to stop the run. They want to figure out a way to shorten the game. That's what Pete Carroll's always been. I read his book. That is what he believes. That's his philosophy. And so if that's the case, if you have a quarterback that can spin it enough to make it work, you take care of them. Right. And so I think they've done enough to help them out. But at the end of the day, is Geno going to be the guy last year in the first half or is he going to be what he's been in his career in the second half you know that we saw that's going to determine what they do and how this game goes i think he can get better i think he's above average i think we've seen just about everybody in the national football league i mean seven years worth of quarterbacks uh he's not the worst we've seen he's not the best but he's somewhere in the middle so when you think about what seattle has they've got two pretty good tight ends fanton and, and disley they've got the one of the best receiving duos we've seen in the national football league Trios with dk now. metcalf and, and lock it. And they just added a third one, which will change everything. So if if not now for Geno Smith, th- then it'll never happen. I think this might be the best group he's ever had. Yeah, he's set up to take that step forward. The question is, do you believe that he will or he won't? And also, he still has to survive first contact with 
Aaron Donald, that man, that guy. Yeah, call Russell Wilson. You know what's funny? You guys, you talk all the time. Defensive player of the year. How many times have you heard AD's name this year? You know, when when they don't see you, they forget about you. Right. And that's always been that's been a problem with our league. Like it's just like ah, well, he was out last year. This guy did like okay. It's either Bosa or Parsons, right? Or or what? And no one's talking about AD. Awesome, great. That makes me happy. You know why? It probably makes him mad. To me, Aaron's the most responsible for Geno Smith being the Seahawks quarterback because the previous guy. Tapped out. I'm he'd, going he'd to, had I don't enough. want to do this no more. <laughs> he'd had enough. I, I, listen, we haven't blocked him yet. Yeah. I, I can't do this anymore. I need to go somewhere else. So I, I know there's been a lot of changeover, and Jalen Ramsey's not walking out of that tunnel with the Rams this weekend, but John Wolford almost beat Seattle last mm-hmm. year at SoFi Stadium. Baker Mayfield took Seattle to overtime in Week 18, arguably the worst game Geno Smith played all year, and he didn't even have to deal with 99. Yeah, this is going to be different. So, look, the only question I have is who's coming with AD? So when it's third and long and you've got to get pass rush, you know AD is going to win. No, so no matter where you line them up, who else is coming with them? Which pl- guy? Can you please answer that question rather than continuing to ask? No, well, I in will- Byron Young, we trust. In, in Michael Hoyt, we trust. We got to see. Yeah. We got to see what Raheem Morris can throw at the Seattle Seahawks besides Aaron Donald. Ernest because it jo- can't be one guy. Ernest Jones, you go get one. Yeah, Bobby Wagner was a, was a good blitzer last year. Ernest so, Jones was yeah. a great blitzer. He Use had it again. two sacks in the Super Bowl. Use it again. I keep Absolutely. hearing this name, Kobe Turner. I, I, I want to see I want to see it. Like yeah. there's names that you hear about this guy's a dog and this guy's this. And that's what that's look, we talked about the preseason is the preseason. I want to see what you do now. Right. Right. It, when we, it matters. It, this, all that other stuff is out the window. We used to talk about you could tell who a real player is in OTAs. You could really tell if he's gonna be that guy when the regular season happens. All right, so take me to your keys to this game. The first one we get to dig into our 17 most favorite Sundays of the oh. calendar. We start on a 70-degree day in Seattle. This Beautiful. feels Is different. it going to be sunny? I'm what do you mean? Go that You're far. shocked. I'm, there's some, there's it's like only Thursday. Degrees. You'd be foolish to I, I, forecast I, I'm Seattle. Just, I'm just hoping because I've never been to Seattle, Seattle and it hasn't been sunny. <laughs> it comes out Okay, Seattle. it's always been overcast and rainy. Uh, I'll start. Uh, yeah, Matthew Stafford, uh, you got to play the hero. And look, it, it's Matthew Stafford and everyone else and a bunch of young guys. So be that guy. And I'm sure that that uh, that Sean McVay is going to tailor an offense to where he's going to vary his drops. One step, three steps, screens, get the ball out. At some point, you're going to have to drop to seven and throw the football. We mm-hmm. know this. It's going to be tough in Seattle, especially with your offensive line. But Matthew Stafford has to come away from this game with zero turnovers. If it's not there, throw it to the stands. Play, let your punter flip field position and go in with that. But one thing you cannot do is turn the ball over and give them life. And the other thing is move AD around. Let him take advantage of matchups, and it'll give you some information on how they're trying to stop him. And maybe Raheem Morris can take advantage of that. But so it's got to be those two guys, your star stepping up and leading the way. You know, when you brought that up, the hero, I thought AD needs to be the villain then, right, for Seattle. He, it's kind of a movie thing, right? The hero, villain. To me, there's a movie I love. It's uh, with Mark Wahlberg and uh, Will Ferrell. It's called The Other Guys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that, to me, is that's what it comes down to, right? The other guys. We know Matthew Stafford is going to be prepared, ready to play. We know Aaron Donald's will be prepared, ready to play. We know these veterans that we have on this roster are going to be prepared. Ernest Jones, John Johnson III. Uh, Fuller, all we know they're going to be prepared, ready to play. It's the other guys. Are you going to be prepared, ready? ready? Rob Haven said, "We know you're ready. You've played so long. We, you know what your your routine is. Mm-hmm. But the other guys, you have to figure out your routine before the game. You have to figure out what gets you ready to go throughout the week, and then we got to see if it works on Sunday. And then who's going to show up? Two two hours. It's time for you to show up, right? Cam Akers. It's time for you to be consistent. 
offensive line as a whole. Can we protect our quarterback? Can we do these things? We have a new coach. We've added some new resources. Defensive line, you talked about it. We know what AD is going to do. Who's going to? Who's coming with them? Mm-hmm. Right, Jerry Maguire. Who's coming with me? I'm out of here, Bobby. Who's Let's coming Bobby. with me? Right. <laughs> yeah. And then at corner, <laughs> yeah, you have two new starting corners. Someone has to step up and make a play. And so to me. It's the other guys that have to show up and be consistent and contribute to this game in order to figure out, is this team going to be able to take that jump that you want to, right? In this reloaded year, he like reloaded, not rebuilt, reloaded, reloaded year. Yeah. Or are we going to have to use the other R word? And we I don't like want that. to do we, that. We've had roles set for you and vision for you. Are you ready to step up and play that role exactly. when, when it counts? What about special teams? Oh boy. Seattle has arguably the best special teams unit in the division, if not the conference, if not the league that's part of his philosophy and these games between the rams and the seahawks are often decided on laces that's part of his philosophy. have you seconds. read Pete's book yeah it's, his philosophy is run the football play defense and win on special teams. teams yes and we have a new long snapper punter place kicker and coach yeah. and coverage unit and coverage unit. yeah please don't let this come down to a field position special teams battle not against them not up there for me it's intangible and I don't always like to go in this direction, but I do like to lean on it in moments like this where the Rams have been told all offseason that they are one of the most depleted rosters, that their time has come and gone, that the door is closed. And yet, where do we start this conversation? In Seattle with the specter of the Sean McVay era ending, with the, the fear of not seeing Aaron Donald come back to play more football. Well, guess what? They're here. They're here and we're, we still believe in them. And if you've observed them from the spring through the summer through training camp, they believe in themselves. This group has a swagger. They believe in it. Whether or not they can convince others, we get to see. But sometimes the chip on your shoulder can carry the day, at least for one week, if not for a full season. I think the Rams have the motivational advantage this week in Seattle. I'm with you. Feed them a fat shut-up burger. How about that? With cheese. Yeah, with And onions. And yeah. All of it, huh? <laughs> yeah. Just put everything on it. <laughs> yeah. Well, like you, we said it before. The Seahawks have been – they're being loved up. They're being praised, mm-hmm. right? Super Bowl contenders, all these different things. And the Rams have been thrown away. Can you go up there and start the season the right way? How you start normally kind of helps you get it going through. You have you have a tough schedule. That's what's different this year. As good as Sean McVay's Rams have been in September, and it has been their mm-hmm. best month. I mean, for these first five, we wouldn't be surprised to be to see them be the last team standing, right? Exactly. With Indy being the exception, and even that's going to be a tricky week, given what their personnel looks like, the fact that it's coming back from Monday Night Football in Cincinnati. So. Um, I do think the story of this season will be, can can you settle in and build, right? Can you get some traction, especially with your underclassmen? If you're healthy, I think there's wins to be had on the other side of the bye. No question. But how many wins can you and do you need to get between now and that midway point of the season to make the organization feel like, hey, we can go now. We can put the foot on the gas now. Let's come back from Seattle 1-0. That's all that matters. You come back from Seattle one and zero. That's all that matters. Let's get to it. One and zero each week. It's been a long seven months without football. I'm psyched. Let's go. <laughs> Say no more. Has it been long, by the way? Seven months, man. Dude, I, I, I was just talking to our boss Jory, and I was like, uh, "This thing has flown by." <laughs> I feel like yesterday, like we were just at OTAs kicking it, and it's like, "Oh, here we go." I should have called him then. I was suffering. <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> All right, we'll pause there and pick it up again next week on the other side of the opener at Seattle. Thank you for being with us for this season kickoff edition of Between the Horns, always presented by your Southern California Toyota dealers.